The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Good morning and welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Co-hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg and I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Your leadership development coaches, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Riley. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad that we have our, our guests that we'll get into. Today's episode is EQ Leadership, and we have the opportunity to talk to a uh, researcher and one of the founders of EQ Leadership. So a couple questions that we want to look at. How and when did the research start on the concept of emotional intelligence, or EQ? How was the popular EQ assessment uh, called the Emotional Quotient Inventory, or EQI, developed? How is the EQI used today in leadership development? What are the best ways to raise a leadership's uh, EQ? These are questions and more will be answered in our show today. So we're really happy to have Dr. Ruben Baron. He is an internationally known expert and a pioneer in the field of emotional intelligence and has been involved in defining, measuring, and applying various aspects of this construct since 1980. The Baron model is described as one of the three leading approaches to emotional intelligence, and his EQI is the most popular of all the EQ assessments. Dr. Ruben Baron earned his doctorate in South Africa in psychology, currently holds an adjunct faculty appointment at the University of Texas Medical Branch, where he is in charge of directing the EI-related research. Really, you know, I'm really excited about today's show because we always talk about bringing the best in current leadership topics, and I can't think of anybody better than Dr. Ruven Baron. Um, as you know, we provide evidence-based best practices to help you, the listener, develop more leaders in your organization. And we know leaders are the heart the heartbeat of the organization. And most leaders, through just not knowing, underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can underperform. Doing a very few things differently can drastically improve your performance and your organizations. What you'll learn in these shows are how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, generation and gender differences, work-life balance practices, strategies managing your boss, self-management tools to be your best, plus many more tools and tips. Well, thanks, Kathy. And, and before we um, talk with Dr. Ruben Barron, we always like to give some of the evidence base, and I think Dr. Ruben Barron is going to help looking at the evidence base around emotional intelligence. But we know you can increase your performance by as much as 77% while increasing life and professional satisfaction um, by as much as 50% with coaching. Both Kathy and I are uh, certified executive coaches. You can increase profit by creating coaching networks inside your company. And usually you can do this in just a day. 
Studies have shown that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. We talk about uh, leaders and leadership development news here, and the reason is leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. We know as we talk about emotional intelligence, emotions are contagious, and leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team. One of the keys to being a star performer is someone who is performing in the top 10%, and we know um, one of the ways to get there is by raising your emotional intelligence. As a leader moves up the corporate ladder, some research has shown as much as 85% of the competencies of success are in the emotional intelligence domain when compared to IQ or technical expertise. Why are we talking about so much of getting leaders in the top 10%? Well, a lot of the research has shown if you can get your people into the top 10%, they will produce twice as much revenue as people in the 89th to 11th percentiles. And also we know when coaching is added to training, with training you'll get a boost in productivity of 22%, but when coaching is added to it, it'll boost that up to about 88%. And we're going to focus on what are some of these micro-initiatives, like Kathy mentioned, that will create macro-impact. If you're interested in leadership and coaching information uh, from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her site is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking, keynotes, uh, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in uh, more work uh, with me, I'm at www.truenorthleadership for emotional intelligence books, tools, uh, speaking keynotes and leadership coaching boot, boot camps. So now I want to introduce our guest, Dr. Ruben Baran. I'll say a few more words about him. He is an internationally known expert and pioneer in the field of emotional intelligence and has been involved in defining, measuring, and applying various aspects of this construct since 1980. The Baran model is one of the top three approaches to emotional intelligence. And... Um, Dr. Baron created the Baron Emotional Quotient Inventory, the EQI, which is the first test of emotional intelligence to be published by a uh, psychological test uh, producer. He has co-edited the Handbook of Emotional Intelligence, uh, 2000, which is a great collection of academic texts on the subject, and recently completed uh, co-editing an additional book in this area called Educating um, People to be Emotionally Intelligent. He also is known as coining the term emotional quotient in 1985. We'll talk to him about that and how that came about. Dr. Barron is involved in numerous research projects related to emotional intelligence for more than a quarter century. An example includes a three-year study he did with the Israeli Defense Forces that empirically demonstrates the impact of EI performance as well as its ability to predict command leadership. He also has analyzed uh, findings from extensive research conducted by Marian Ruderman with the Center for Creative Leadership, one of the top uh, leadership centers in the world, that confirms the ability of emotional intelligence to identify and predict successful corporate leaders. He is also involved now in a 25-year longitudinal study of 23,000 youth to determine the interrelationships between emotional intelligence and biomedical cognitive development, and social educational factors. This study is, uh, is being conducted by the Human Resource Development uh, in Canada, and it represents the first EI study and is expected to shed light on how this construct develops uh, and what effects it has and is what is affected by uh, as far as emotional intelligence. An ongoing, in an ongoing basis in the corporate world, moreover, Dr. 
Barn is involved in developing EI models that predict performance and are used in hiring, training, and succession planning. Dr. Barron, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, we're we're obviously very excited to have you, and I I thought I'd kick off our program today, uh, Dr. Barron, asking you a little bit about how you first got interested in this concept of emotional intelligence. Uh, thank you, Kathy. I, I, I think it's hard to say, but I think approximately in 1980, uh, when I was working as a clinical psychologist, I, I began asking uh, simply why some people function well and even enjoy life, why others uh, appear to have reoccurring problems. Um, I, I just began to think, what, what's the difference between these two groups of people? What makes the difference between them? And uh, based on answers that I began to receive from myself, my, my colleagues, and, and, and also delving into the literature, it, uh, it became clear that this must have something to do with how people function, how well people function emotionally and, and socially. So this actually was the beginning of, of my uh, introduction to, to this concept called emotional intelligence today. So that was in um, 1980, Dr. Barron. And then uh, we talked about in the intro that you coined the term of EQ in 1985. Maybe you can tell us about how, you know, how that came about and how did you, you know, put together those two words. Um, the, the idea of an EQ, our, our emotional quotient, uh, began to bubble up uh, in the late 1970s when I was supervising interns in, in clinical psychology. And I simply wanted to make my work easier simplify it as a supervisor, I wanted to, for, for them to give me an EQ, like they do with IQ scores and other information on, on people they assess, uh, so I, I later uh, included, uh, later began to develop this idea of an EQ uh, as part of my doctoral dissertation, which was submitted in 1985, and, and in the doctoral dissertation, I, in respect to an EQ or emotional quotient, I was talking about it, uh, uh, writing about it, uh, to describe uh, a quantitative way, a quantitative method of measuring emotional and social functioning that I thought at the time, and I still do, will lead to a sense of, of well-being. Um, it also appeared in an unpublished manuscript I, I sent to uh, Daniel Goldman and to a number of test publishers in around 19... 1992, 1993, mm. and uh, also uh, I, I went more public with the idea, uh, exposed more people to it in a presentation at the 1996 APA annual convention. So this was the beginning of, of an EQ, and then since then I've, I've elaborated on mm -hmm. what I mean by that, how one arrives at an EQ. Dr. Bond, you're, you're quite the researcher. I know that um, I graduated from Rutgers, and I know that you're now uh, the first non-founding member of the Consortium for Research on Emotional Intelligence and Organizations at Rutgers. Can you, what, have you, what have you found out about EQ in predicting leadership from your studies at, at, uh, at this organization and the many others that you are related to? I think for, for taking into account the, the nature of, of this uh, uh, program, I think this is a bottom-line question, and, and I think perhaps the best way of, of, of trying to answer that question, Kathy, would, would be 
to um, uh, describe the results of a study I conducted, as you mentioned in the beginning, with Dr. Marianne Ruderman uh, and myself uh, at the, the Center of Creative Leadership on uh, approximately 300 executive leaders in, in 2003. Um, their EQ of these 300 executive leaders, I think is a beautiful example because it was a cross-section of, of executive leaders from uh, different sectors, different industries, um, and they, of these 300 people, their EI, emotional intelligence, was assessed with the EQI, and their leadership performance was rated by approximately seven to eight co-workers using benchmarks, which is a 360-degree multi-rater uh, developed by CCL. And uh, I then applied uh, uh, a discriminant function analysis to the data, and it revealed that the overall correlation between emotional intelligence and leadership was 0.74, which is an outstanding correlation. This, this means that at least 55% of, of leadership is emotional intelligence. <clears throat> now, the, the key EI factors that surfaced in this model were the, the first three, the strongest, were what we call today social skills. Uh, empathy, the ability to look at other people and how they feel, their emotions. Uh, interpersonal relationship or relating with other people. Social responsibility, the, the, the ability to feel like you're a, a cooperative and contributing member to your, to your social group. And the last two in the model were, were the ability to cope with stress and solve problems. Uh, and the accuracy of, of the model was estimated at 86% by the classific classification matrix. This simply means if you had used this model, you would probably be able to identify 9 out of 10 people as being class performers. We'll be right back with Dr. Ruben Baron after this. Short break. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's 
Let's look for leaky doors! Said the second. Let's look for a swing set! Said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I open as leaky windows! Cried the first energy hog. I open as leaky doors! Cried the second. I open as the bathroom! Cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadylocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Hi, this is Leadership Development News. Welcome back. Um, this is Dr. Rowan Nadler with Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and we're talking with Dr. Reuven Baron, who is the uh, creator of the EQI, coined the term emotional quotient. And he just finished talking about that from one research study that uh, emotional intelligence can predict 55% of the key factors that lead to someone being a leader. And now we want to ask you, uh, Dr. Baron, just about the EQI. Um, I know it has 15 competencies. Both Kathy and I have used it. A lot of people on the listening have probably used it. So we're curious about how did you develop this uh, EQI? Uh, okay. It's, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll try to do it in two minutes. <laughs> and and uh, the, the two minutes is going to cover 16 to 17 years. Okay. It's going to be miraculous. Okay. Um, it, uh, it, it actually, it began around 1980. And uh, the test was first published in, in 1996, 1997, so it was approximately 16, 17 years in the oven. Mm. And um, I, I started developing the idea behind the EQI around about 1980, as I said, and uh, when I began writing my doctoral proposal, collecting ideas, thoughts, and, and, and sending it as a proposal, the proposal was uh, accepted in 1983, and I continue to develop my, my theory of effective emotional social functioning uh, that I thought would, would lead to a sense of well-being. And then I had to construct an inventory, a test, some sort of measure uh, to test this theory, which began in 1983. And, and, and this particular, me, particular uh, experimental inventory was the uh, precursor of, of the EQI. And so the way it was done very quickly, um, uh, zipping through... 16, 17 years was first to uh, try to identify and cluster competencies and skills uh, related to the theory of, of, of uh, effective uh, uh, emotional and social functioning, and then trying to define these clusters as clearly as possible, simply as possible, and then initially, initially generating about uh, 1,000 items based on the definitions, which is, was an extensive process itself, um, uh, I don't think I'll have time to go into how that was done. And then setting or fixing or determining the final 133 items and 15 scales 
based on statistics, a combination of statistics, mainly item analysis and factor analysis, as well as combining that with, with theory uh, to determine the, the final uh, uh, items and scales. And then uh, the, the process was to take this, this uh, initial, ver the final version, and norm it or standardize it for use on about 4,000 adults in North America, which was finished in about 1997, the early part of 1997. And then, of course, from, from then to the present and to the future, uh, this is a continuous process of data collection around the world and, and validation across cultures. So essentially, this is uh, 16 to 17 years in a nutshell. Unbelievable. It's an amazing amount of work for one person to do, especially in that short period of time. It, in, in, um, in IQ testing, uh, we know the vocabulary uh, is the best overall subscale for predicting IQ. Of the 15 emotional quotient or EQ competencies, are there one or two that have been better predictors than others in, in EQ or emotional quotient? Um. The quick answer in one word is optimism. Uh, a, a bit longer explanation would be uh, the way I define optimism is an ability to be positive and, and hopeful about, about the future. Uh, is, is, and this was done I, I, uh, recently. I, I checked this on close to 52,000 adults from a North American sample. And I, uh, I checked correlations between the 15 skills and the overall EQ, uh, and each time when you would check, like, for example, optimism with overall EQ, I would, of course, subtract optimism from the final calculation of EQ uh, uh, in order not to, to artificially increase the correlation, of course. And so uh, looking at all the scales, the highest one was between uh, optimism and general uh, uh, EQ at 0 0.80 for optimism. And, and uh, after, after looking at that, I said, well... Martin Seligman very happy about that. <laughs> We're all happy about that, especially those of us who are in the positive psychology right. business. It is essentially centered smack in the middle of positive psychology. I agree with you, Kathy. It's, uh, so I, I think not only uh, Martin Seligman, but, but uh, David Wexler, 60 to 70 years before that, uh, in 1940, uh, discussed, uh, and I quote him, it's a very uh, quaint English word that's not used in, in, in North American English that much, cognitive factors, meaning uh, being optimistic, positive, and self-motivated. He thought that these factors, they call non-intellective or non-cognitive factors, have a significant impact on what he referred to as intelligent behavior. So the, the big pulse read, you might say, if you wanted to know, if you want to know how someone is, how emotionally, social intelligence someone is, look at how optimistic they are. I would probably say, look how optimistic they are if it's tempered with good reality testing. Beautiful. Well, that's, this is fascinating, um, Ruben, just because uh, if you, it, it seems like it makes sense. You know, people that we know, leaders we know, optimism does kind of roll up to look at how you're managing yourself, how you're perceiving the world, um, what's your goals for the future. Um, and and so that's, I'm glad uh, I was surprised to see that answer, but once we... Once you stated it, makes a lot of sense. So uh, we talked about, you know, which one is the the best predictor, optimism, and just a, a point that that point eight oh um, for people who aren't aware of that one point oh or one would be the the highest correlation. So point eight, and isn't it anything over about point five or point six would be pretty significant? Oh yeah. Okay. 
So there's a high correlation. And so the other question we wanted to know is, which competency do you think is the hardest to raise? Because Kathy and I are as coaches are constantly trying to help people once they've taken the EQI. Well, now how do you move forward raising that? So which ones have you found are maybe the hardest to raise? Well, um, uh, uh, really look, looking at, at my, my model, mm-hmm. uh, my conceptual and, and, and psychometric model as a tool, and, and looking at past experience, and I think it, I think it makes sense. The, the most difficult, uh, I, I would point out, I think are two that, that, that pop up right now. One is what I call self-regard, which is the ability to accurately look at yourself and accept what you see. And the second one is what I call impulse control or the ability to control your emotions. Uh, I found that they, these two are a bit more difficult uh, to improve, to work with, uh, uh, and with adults, probably easier with, with children. But uh, having said that, I, I think that progress definitely can be made, and we must a- attempt to work on these. How, how do we tighten it up? How do we improve these particular factors? They're, they're very, very important. And they're, they're key to emotional intelligence. Looking at yourself, the self-awareness, and two, controlling emotions is very important, but difficult for some people. Yeah, I think I could spend the rest of the show getting therapy from you on those two aspects. <laughs> um, obviously, from, from your most recent book, Educating People to be Emotionally Intelligent, um, you talk about these elements, uh, I'm sure. Um, when you look at... Uh, educating people you were just talking about what is the hardest thing to, to improve and, and progress can be made by doing certain things. What, what are the best ways to, to educate or train people to be more emotionally intelligent given what we know and what we know can change? Um, I, to, to, to try to give you a, a good answer, I, I'd like to probably I'd have to divide this into two types of people. Um, the first are children, and the second are adults. Uh, once again, it's, it's probably easier working w- with children. They're more flexible than it is working with adults. But with children, uh, it should begin as early as possible with parents at home and continue through with teachers by helping them, or by ha- having them help children to be aware of themselves and aware of others uh, to be aware of their emotions and, and the feelings of others and to express or how to express feelings constructively and not destructively, uh, to help them uh, label emotions and feelings, what they're feeling, how they're feeling, why they're feeling something, and to encourage them to control strong negative emotions so this works for them and not against them, which is, is in fact, if, if, if we were... If there was something visual here and I had a PowerPoint demonstration, I would underline that with a big line in red font that was 14 or 15, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, and, and, and try to, to emphasize this particular last point of having emotions work for you and not against you. And then I, of course, encourage them to effectively solve personal, interpersonal pro- problems and adapt to, to their environment. Now, I was just going to ask you just to pause on that for a second because I... Relly and I both have children. I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners have raised children. Um, can you just expand a little bit on how you would use a language of emotional intelligence, <clears throat> pardon me, to get a child to hear what you've just said, underlined in bold in, in big font? Mm, 
I, I think that if you see a child, um, uh, uh, and children are very expressive, and in fact, they're, they're first expressive before they're actually verbal, before they have a word for it. And so you can see on a child's face, even with their verbal or pre-verbal or almost verbal, uh, a feeling of frustration. And you can say, you can give it a word, oh, you don't like the way it's going. You can reinforce this on their level that they might understand. Uh, or you're happy about something, but made you happy. So Beautiful. That. We're talking to, talking to Dr. Reuven Bond. We'll be right back after this break. Line in business. Voice America business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 before every word there is a thought before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All leaders rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look. These are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, and you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We have the privilege of talking with uh, Dr. Ruben Baran, who's been working in the emotional intelligence, emotional quotient field uh, since the early 80s. So we just, before the break, we're talking about um, how to raise emotional intelligence, and we're focusing on first children, then we'll get to adults. But, uh, Ruben, we're talking 
during the break that it may be worth a little bit more information about. How does someone help control some of these negative emotions so they work for them and not against them? And you had mentioned, you know, a couple things and maybe some resources. Uh, yes, I, I think very quickly, uh, briefly, is, is that uh, there's all sorts of techniques. Uh, with, with, with children, something happens, they, they don't control their emotions, and anger is expressed. Uh, you can do, like, stop, uh, breathe deeply. Uh, the, uh, it's like the traffic light, red light, stop, or push, or, uh, push a, a replay button. What happened? Why did you react that way? Is there another way of doing it? So these are, are important things. And, of course, pinning a label, a name, mm-hmm. on how they feel or you think they might feel when they're uh, even preverbal and begin to become verbal and then let them fill in the dots uh, eventually how they feel. And I think this carries into also how to educate adults uh, to be more emotionally intelligent. And, and I, I, I think the, the way this would, would pull in, we today, like, uh, we're talking about parenting and, and uh, uh, education, how to educate children. Oh, by the way, a wonderful source would be uh, uh, Maurice uh, Elias, who has written books on, on parenting uh, uh, to, uh, in an emotionally intelligent way, uh, uh, children, adolescents. Uh, so, so this is, is a fantastic source to get a hold of. He's written two or three books on, uh, on the topic. And I think that uh, they're published by Josie Bass in San Francisco. Um, uh, then, okay, we talked about two groups of people, uh, uh, children and adults, which are big children. And, and uh, to be more emotionally and socially intelligent, to educate adults to be more emotionally and socially intelligent, this takes place typically today. It's done more in the workplace in the form of workshops and, and coaching. Um, and, and, and more recently for the purpose, of, uh, and this is the, the great exciting thing, increasing occupational performance and overall organizational productivity. Uh, uh, based on our experience, the best way to do this, to educate adults to be more emotionally and socially intelligent, is what I have found, we have found, is combining a number, I call it a multimodal uh, approach. You can't just present a, a presentation on emotional intelligence and expect the organization to become emotionally and socially intelligent organization overnight. You have to combine different modes. This includes, uh, uh, I would say, one, individual coaching based on debriefing, uh, EI assessment results, and combine that, too, with group training or workshops that are devoted to these areas and how to tighten them up and improve them. And, And three, I would throw in personally tailored exercises or homework assignments if you wish, that are personally tailored to the person and their particular need, uh, what they have to increase. And then four, I would throw in um, um, uh, providing access to IBT, Internet-based training programs, to, to work on, on their weak areas, and, 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 and a, a, a lovely ap- approach I'm, I'm seeing more of and using more of is peer coaching or, or a buddy system. Uh, putting two people or three people or four people together so they, in between workshops and in between coaching, they can continue the work uh, in and between themselves. And, and uh, it, it has to be, it has to be multimodal in order to work and work well. Um, and I, I think one of the strongest ways uh, uh, that, that can be used to make it work well is what I, I refer to as applying star performer profiling um, uh, which, which is, is, is a, a real important factor, and I'd like to 
spend a little bit of time on, on what this is. Terrific. Well, let, let's maybe focus on that. You've talked a lot about this multimodal approach. I can almost see it as a wagon wheel with the spokes being the workshops, the training groups, the individual coaching, the tailored exercises, and the Internet-based training and the peer coaching as the star all right, in the wagon wheel. So what, what is the star performing profiling? And can you, can you give us a real-life example, um, perhaps, of what it is in an organization? Um, okay. I, I think to, to provide the listeners uh, um, with an example would be to really take a, a, a recent example that, uh, that I have in applying uh, what I call the star performer profiling, uh, profile or, or EI models, another name for it, and to, just to show them how it works. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly talk about a, a project that I, I just, just in, in, in the initial stages, uh, t- together with uh, Dorothy Spry, a, a colleague of mine in the UK, uh, we just began working with a company called ESPA, uh, E-S-P-A-A, uh, which is a London-based company that designs exclusive spas uh, in hotels uh, around the world and is considered uh, number one in, in, in their field. Um, the way this whole process began uh, was that uh, we were approached and asked by this company to explore the feasibility of applying emotional intelligence in their organization in order to help it uh, continue, as they expressed it, uh, their sustained growth as a company uh, which is expanding. And, and essentially they were, they were asking, breaking the, the question of the, the, client, the client's question down, essentially they were asking, um, uh, we'd like to see if emotional intelligence could, could help us in hiring, training, and, and promoting the right people to keep ahead of the path. And, and, and this particular point I would like to come back on uh, briefly is keeping ahead of the path. I've heard this expressed by companies and very successful companies and recently by a Fortune 10 company that they're not only here ahead of everyone else right now, but they're worried about maintaining their position as a leading company in their industry. So, uh, so essentially the way it began with this particular company, I, I'm using an example, is that we began to focus on one important sector in, in their company first develop a, a star performer profile and then to apply it. Um, we chose to focus on, on employees uh, involved in managerial positions in the company, managers. Uh, um, uh, and, and, and this is also, this is the focus of, of a lot of work done in applying emotional intelligence. It's on leadership, uh, which is about, as you know, about 10% of, of any organization, approximately. Uh, but I'm, I'm concerned also not just about leadership. I'm concerned about employeeship. Uh, in addition, how do we work on work with employees and improve their emotional, social intelligence, and improve their performance? But but let's talk about uh, leadership in this capacity. Um, so far, with this particular company, we have a sizable number of managers who have completed the EQI, and. Uh, together with this, their, their present managerial level of these individuals was, was com- who completed EQI was also assessed or rated by their supervisors. So we have two pieces of information, something on their emotional intelligence and something about their managerial performance. The next step, which I'll begin this week, probably today or tomorrow, uh, is to apply what is called uh, uh, multivariate statistics uh, to the data simply to examine the impact of their emotional intelligence assessed by the EQI, on their managerial performance, which has been evaluated by the supervisors. 
Now, the sophisticated tool that I talked about will then tell us fantastic amount of information. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, not only the degree of impact of emotional intelligence on their managerial performance in this specific organization, but it will create a model uh, comprising the strongest EI predictors of managerial performance. This is, to me, the best, the most accurate way of doing, of doing that, and typically we find that, it, that, that this particular statistical application will target, highlight four to six EI competencies among the 15 that are measured. Then the next step is turning this information around to, to, do, to do two basic things. The first one is use it in hiring and promoting employees who are being considered for a managerial role within the company. Uh, the, the, and the way it works, that uh, candidate would be tested on EQI in addition to looking at their previous experience, areas of occupational expertise, and so forth. And then those who, whose EQI scores come closest to that particular model of high performance, the star performers and managers, will be considered for the position in addition to taking into account all, all the other information, collateral information that goes into the the thinking or the decision uh, uh, of hiring them in their particular position. And additionally, we use this star performer profile not only in hiring and promoting, succession planning, but it's then it's turned around to, to, to drive, to, to guide the, the curriculum. What curriculum, what particular information should we focus in on to, to strengthen up in, in uh, a group training and coaching? This will just highlight those particular areas that are important in that particular organization. And, and then, uh, uh, of course, uh, the way we set up the, the program, I could go into that, but, but essentially it's, it's just a, applying individual feedback and individual on the EQI and individual feedback on what is called the leadership report based on the EQI and, and then giving them, uh, in this particular case, uh, six one-day workshops spaced about three to four weeks apart in which they receive group training on the key components of the star performer profile and how to enhance them. And then personally tailored exercises we talked about before uh, uh, based on the EQI results and, and the leadership report. And then this individual uh, uh, access to an individual IBT program or internet-based training uh, for them to, to walk them through, to tighten up, or work on their weak areas. And then again, this pairing or, or, uh, or creating buddies that work on this in-between and then in this particular situation, we're also giving them email access to us uh, to discuss their progress or, or any problems they're having and to ask questions. And, and of course, we want to do a reassessment uh, approximately six months after they finish this course to see how it affects their emotional intelligence and, more importantly, their managerial function. So this is essentially how it's done. This is I, Today, if I would just one last little sentence, this is... For me, after working this in so many years, uh, one of the most important and exciting tools that we can use. It's, it's, it's more accurate than just thinking what the client needs or asking or interviewing a few people. This gives it more uh, um, uh, power, more uh, 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 firepower, if you will, to, to apply emotional intelligence in an organization and do it well. Well, I think, <clears throat> Dr. Uh, Barnum, sadly, I have a quite comprehensive and just to kind of re reiterate some of the key components. They take the EQI, they get the validation or they get uh, observation from their supervisors, which then really says not only where are they on the EQI, but, are, you know, are, is this person a top performer, what I'm seeing? And then the statistical analysis, I understand it, 
<clears throat> well, I don't really understand the statistical analysis, but it sounds like it kind of goes into a black box in a sense, and what it comes out is the four or six key factors that the person uh, excels at on the EQI. Okay, good. Well, we'll get more into this, especially around some of how do you develop a person using this uh, star performer profile. And this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rock-a-bye, baby, by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello, welcome back to Leadership Development News. This is Dr. Kathy Greenberg. I'm here with Dr. Relly Nadler. And our guest for today, we're very excited to have him, Dr. Reuven Baron. We've been talking about his approach to the star performer profile, and he's so far outlined the idea of what he calls a multi, multimodal approach. We've talked a little bit about that. It's a strengths-based approach to looking at the leader skills, how the manager sees those leader skills, and then applying them to a program. 
But can we talk a little bit more about what you see as the biggest challenges uh, today in the EI field, and and uh, what do you want to see more of as we go into the future on this subject? Um, yeah, this is this is a this is a favorite area of mine, and and, and when you say the biggest challenges, well, sometimes there's a politically correct uh, definition of challenge as problem. So so in my head, uh, I'm trying to think what. Are the problems that I see? What would I like to see more of? What would correct the problems? And and and, and what do I like or dislike about a, the emotional intelligence field? And I have a lot to say. I'm kind of an opinionated person, so I'll have to try to control myself. Exercise <laughs> That's okay. impulse control and, and be a gentleman and, and and try to just you know cover uh, uh, what I think are the main issues. I would say I'll, I'll start with the things I don't like. And can you just speak up a little bit? Yes, uh, I, I, I'll start with things I don't like that sometimes mm, almost drive me up the wall. Uh, is I, I, I don't want to see emotional intelligence turned into a circus happening movement, cult, or cure-all for the ills of humanity. This turns a lot of people off because it is not a cult, it's not a movement, it's not a circus, it's not a cure-all. Yes, it's, it's a very powerful concept if used properly. Um, and then I, 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 I just have this strong uh, feeling that I hope that people, the responsible people that are involved in this area, stop making uh, a false claims about what emotional intelligence is, is and is not, and, and without hardcore, solid evidence. Uh, I think this is a disservice to many of us who are trying to do serious work in the area. Um, you can make false claims about what emotional intelligence is, maybe once, twice, rarely three times. Um, I, I would say also stop creating slap-together uh, uh, EI tests. We, we know in, in psychometrics and the building of tests, it takes approximately five years, at least five years, for a, a serious psychometric test to mature. And then it's an ongoing process about predictive validity and whatever. Uh, and then I would say try to... if, if Create, choose or create better conceptual and psychometric models if you can. And, and typically, these are the ones with the strongest uh, uh, psychometric properties. Go for those theories that are based on that and go for those tools that test emotional intelligence that have the strongest uh, um, uh, uh, psychometric properties. And then I would like to see uh, EI practitioners uh, should uh, hopefully... I, would, I don't know how this could be done, first work on their emotional intelligence before helping others. Uh, in, in psychotherapy and training clinical psychologists and psychiatrists, uh, this, is, this is a given that you have to undergo therapy to become a therapist. And here I think we've, sometimes we find people that are not too emotionally and socially intelligent that are working in this area. I would like to see more people somehow work on your own emotional intelligence, your weak areas, and then start working with others. Um, and practitioners, I think, should start thinking more like researchers, like using research-based consultation. Make it, uh, uh, take it out of voodoo medicine and put it into to more of a, a, a science when you're applying consultation. It should be based on something. Your approach should be based on some sort of evidence that it works and or some sort of monitor, monitoring system. And then I'd like to see researchers acting more like or behaving more or thinking more like practitioners. 
applicability. What am I working with? How can that be applied? Will that make a difference? Is that important? Then I'd like to see, uh, I just I, once again, use the, the best EI conceptual and psychometric uh, models, the ones with the strongest psychometric uh, properties. I said that before. Um, I would also like to see more research on predictive, what's called predictive validity of EI measures, showing exactly what they predict and how well. And then I'd like to see um, uh, uh, more research on the impact of emotion of intelligence on uh, 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 physical health and what I would call EI profiling of, of biomedical disorders. There's some work being done on that right now. And then impact of, of emotional intelligence on psychological health and what I would call EI profiling of psychiatric disorders. And then development of uh, to see how this thing called emotional intelligence develops from infancy to old age, uh, and you mentioned uh, one piece of research that I'm involved in on long, uh, uh, longitudinal study that's ongoing. Then I'd like to see research on the impact of, uh, of emotional intelligence on parenting and teaching. What makes uh, good uh, parents and teachers, um, and then turning this information around for helping to parents and teachers be better parents and better teachers, and then uh, longevity, I, I, I don't know how to, to phrase this, but the longevity of positive change. Let's say you've applied emotional intelligence and you find out that your, the, your managers are performing at a higher level. The question in my, the back of my mind, I'm, I'm asked this quite often, is how long does it last? Does it last for a year, three years, five years? Um, I, I can go up to, based on, on findings I have, up to 18 months, a year and a half. But what happens after two years, three years? Do these, are these uh, 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 gains maintained or, 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 or what? And then the impact of emotional intelligence on, on, on organizational productivity. I'd like to see more, more uh, serious research in this area. This is essentially the bottom line. Does, are they more profitable? Are organizations producing a better service or a better product? Uh, is it a more well-run organization? Is it a nicer place to work in? <laughs> So I, I think these are, are the important ones. That's great um, to see where, where you want to see things going. We know we have a couple more minutes. I wanted to get to uh, one of our questions about, given the three fields in emotional intelligence today, your relationship with the other EI giants, one field being Daniel Goleman and Richard Boyatzis, and then the other field being uh, Peter Salovey and Jack Mayer, and then the third, obviously, is, is, is your own, the bond model. Um. Okay, this, this is interesting. This is nice. And, and, and I myself like this interchange be, between us uh, over the last 12 years or so. Uh, we, first of all, we all know one another, and we often work with one another. And in the case of, of, of Dan, Dan Goldman, uh, the two of us know each other for uh, a little bit more than half a century. We both grew up in Stockton, California. And, and uh, uh, Dan, uh, uh, Rich, uh, 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 Peter, Jack, and myself often appear as speakers at uh, the same EI conferences over the years, and we often appear on the same panels and, and, and often contribute to each other's books and, and uh, are in email contact with one another uh, fairly often. And, and although we represent different schools of emotional intelligence and are the people behind three major uh, uh, conceptual models, uh, we do really get along for the most part. No, there, there are no rules or fistfights. That's what you're asking. Ruben, that's wonderful to hear. Dr. Barron, we have so much appreciated having you here today. 
We can reach you at www.ruvonbaum.org, and we hope our listeners will be uh, welcome to contact you, and we thank you so much. Thank you, Ruben. It was very informative. Appreciate it. Pleasure. So this has been uh, Leadership Development News. We're going to be signing off uh, today. Next week, we will profile a president uh, who has exceptional skills and emotional intelligence to really highlight a lot of the applied piece that Dr. Rubin spoke about today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.